the legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me as always, the hardest working man in show business, the captain. It's good to be seen and it's good to see you. It's good to be back from vacation, Captain. Great to be back in the garage. Yeah, Is this- I, I've been showing up every week, waiting for you to show up. You never, never called, you well, never wrote. Well, thanks for holding down the fort for us. All right, yeah. Is this show business? I said you're the hardest working man in show business, but is this truly show business? I guess it's a show, and it's our business, but it's probably the lowest form of show business. Well, it depends on how much we're drinking is the quality of the show business. We're, we're in a garage somewhere in Ohio. That's, <laughs> that's where all the magic happens in show business. We're hiding in Ohio. We're building our own tinsel town right here. Let's get to the beer. Tonight, tonight, we are drinking Little Devil by Ale Smith Brewing Company in beautiful San Diego. Santiago. Stay classy, California. Garage grade, four out of five bottle caps. Little Devil is a pale ale, golden color, with clean malt flavors and a hint of tangy hop tones. Mm. It also contains Belgian candy sugar, coriander, and orange peel, which adds a twist, making Little Devil refreshing, refreshing, mm-hmm. quenching, and easy to drink. Not so easy to say. Right. And this fabulous brew is brought to us by this fabulous crew. First up, we have William, who says, Captain and Nick. William, surely you mean Nick and the captain. He says, keep up the awesome job. Great show. That's from William in Cypress, California. Next, we have Karen from Parts Unknown. Thank Mm -hmm. you, Karen. Oh, and we have a birthday shout out. So big, happy, happy birthday to Lauren Stoiko, who is a big fan of our show. Her friend Lauren Diamond asked us to say happy birthday. So happy happy birthday, birthday. Lord. Next, we have Lindsay and Kevin. They are one of our many husband and wife listeners. We get a lot of that. You know, I think this kind of thing is great. I can just see them now sitting together in their garage every Tuesday night, Mm -hmm. listening to True Crime Garage, sharing a set of bed phones and feeding each other beer. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't get any more romantic than that, does it, Captain? (laughs) 
<laughs> so so Lindsay guess. and Kevin re- really want the captain to say that he likes their jib. So go ahead, Captain. We like your jib. Next, we go to Middle Earth in Lake Forest, Illinois, and say mm-hmm. hi to Chelsea. Chelsea says that the cut of our jib elevates each and every garage. Thank you, Chelsea. <laughs> Kinder words have never been spoken. And last but not least, we have Amber who says, thank you for getting me through the boring work day. Shine on you crazy diamonds. I love a good Pink Floyd reference. Cheers, Amber. So thank you to William, Karen. Happy birthday, Lauren. Thank you, Lindsay, Kevin, Chelsea, and Amber for buying us a round of Little Devils this week. week. And if you want to go and buy us a round for next week's show, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. And for everything True Crime Garage, you can check out our website, truecrimegarage.com, and find us on social media. Everything is at True Crime Garage. All right, Captain, is that enough of the business? That's enough of the business. All right, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer, and let's talk some true crime. Hi, I'm calling from Joffrey's Restaurant in Malibu. Yeah. Um, we have a guest here who is refusing to pay her bill, and we think she may, I mean, she sounds really crazy, she may be on drugs or something. Um, we are wondering if someone could come by and pick her up. Okay, well, what's the address there? It's 27400 Pacific Coast Highway. And is she a white, black, Asian, Hispanic? She's a um, young black girl, she's probably in her 20s. Okay, what's she wearing? She's wearing a black t-shirt and I think blue jeans. Is she with anybody else? No, it's just her. I am calling. I'm a little frazzled right now. I understand my daughter is being brought into the station. My Therese Richardson has made it to the station yet and she's been booked. Okay, is, is, do you know where she's coming from? Uh, it's some restaurant out in Malibu, and I, I didn't even think to get the name. The okay, manager's yeah, name the is... Only, the only place we have somebody that's in custody that they just announced on the radio that they're coming up is from Joffrey's. In Joffrey's. Highway. It's okay. the only female that's being brought up to the station as we speak. They actually just put it on the radio right before you call Okay, okay. I'm I'm her mother, oh, okay. and are you guys going to book her and then release her on her own re- recognizance tonight because it, it, it's dark, she doesn't have a car, and I don't want her wandering out. I'm, I'm totally just taken aback because this is so out of character for her, yeah. and you'll see when she comes in, she, she's well-spoken. I think the only way I will come and get her tonight is if you guys are going to release her tonight. Yeah. If, if going to be held in custody for some type of arraignment tomorrow, mm-hmm. then I will wait until tomorrow. She definitely has no place, you know, I mean, she's not from that area, and I would hate to wake up to a morning report yeah. lost somewhere with her head chopped off, uh-uh. so I guess I would have to come and get her, oh my gosh. Yeah, we're in a great hose. The only thing is, at least in the station here, she will be separated, so nobody's going to be with her. Uh, so at least that's, you know, the plus thing, so you don't have to worry about her safety. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I feel safe with her being yeah. in, in custody. It's being released, but I'm worried about it. It's, it's crazy out here.
In 2009, we have a 24-year-old woman who was briefly detained by deputies for not paying her bill at a restaurant. We have no idea why she didn't pay this bill. But the events of this evening probably could not get any stranger, in my opinion. She's detained by the sheriff's department. Yeah. She's held there for a couple of hours. And then she's released after midnight. Now, the key here, though, is she's released without a vehicle, without a cell phone, no purse, no money, no provisions. And mm-hmm. they just let her off wandering out into the darkness in an area that she's unfamiliar with. She may have been spotted trespassing hours later. Mm-hmm. We're not convinced, not 100% sure. Shortly after that, if that was her, she disappears. Yeah, diving into this case this week, it seemed like you know when you dive in, you're trying to get some answers. And it seems like all I got was more questions. Well, you know, I, I agree with you. When I first dove into this, lots of questions, lots of questions, and I still have plenty of them. And mm-hmm. we'll go through all of those as well. But you and I have been looking at this case for over a week now, and I do think we have some answers here that we're going to present tonight. Um Quick, a little background here. Mm-hmm. Who are we talking about? We're talking about 24-year-old Maitrice Richardson. Um, she grew up in the suburbs east of L.A. with her mom and her stepdad. Uh, her father and grandmother lived in nearby South L.A. She graduated with honors from Cal State Fullerton with a degree in psychology in 2008. Uh, she had been working, doing some clerical work for a shipping company. And on Friday nights, she worked as a go-go dancer in Long Beach. Now, this was a lesbian club. Uh, her dancing name was Hazel. Now, the day in question here is September 16th, 2009. This is a Wednesday. Mytrice is driving her 1998 Honda Civic down Pacific Coast Highway. Yeah. When she decides to stop at a place called Joffrey's. This is regarded as an upscale restaurant near Malibu, so it's a bit of a swanky place. And I hear the big attraction at at Joffrey's is the wonderful views of the Pacific. When she arrives, well, they have valet parking at the restaurant, so we all know the drill, right? You pull up, and sometimes there's a line of cars, and you got to wait for the valet to come up to you and greet you. Um, The valet does come up and greet her, correct? Yeah. So he comes up and greets her. And he's got other things to do. He's got other cars to shuffle around. And by the time, this is just within minutes, but by the time he gets back to her car to move her vehicle, she's no longer in the vehicle. And he finds her sitting in his vehicle of all places. (laughs) His vehicle is parked nearby. And he said that he had left the door open. Uh, But when he discovered her in his car, of course, you know, he wants to know. uh, Yeah, why the hell are you in my car? What are you doing in my car? Yeah, so, and she seems to be rummaging through, like, CDs and stuff and starts making comments to him about the CDs and stuff that she's finding. And later he would report, you know, what she was wearing, and he, he described her as wearing a Rastafarian-style hat, a mm-hmm. long sleeve white shirt under a black Bob Marley short sleeve shirt, and she was wearing, you know, like, distressed jeans or, I don't know, maybe they were tore-up jeans with van shoes and, the same thing. Yeah, and, yeah. and a pink belt. Uh, the valet asked her, of course, what she's doing in his car. And uh, she replies, it's subliminal. Uh, <laughs> what does that mean? Well, it's that, subliminal. That's now my my answer for any time I get caught doing something strange. Subliminal, man. Uh, and then this is not real clear, but she also says something about uh, she's avenging the death of Michael Jackson, who, you know, so this is 2009. Michael Jackson died June 25th, 2009, but still a very strange thing to say. 
Uh, mm-hmm. She does give him the keys and then ask if Vanessa is here. The valet mm-hmm. does not know whom Maitrice is asking about. Uh, she told him to keep an eye out for a girl with tattoos on her arm. Strange thing to say to somebody that you don't know or that doesn't know Vanessa. And then you go into Joffrey's and then you ask for a table for one, not a table of two, but anyway, strange. Then you sit down, you order steak and some wine and you enjoy your meal. She's inside. She's sitting alone. She orders a cocktail. She orders a steak and nearby her, there's a table of seven and she goes over to the table and she sits down and joins in the conversation. Uh, she does return to her table at some point to eat, but then goes back again to the seven top and sits down. Mitrice tells them she is going to Hawaii and she would contact them when she arrives. Uh, the seven diners leave Joff- Joffrey's and shortly after Mitrice goes to leave as well. And the manager confronts her about her unpaid dinner tab. And this is amounting to a grand total of $89. Yeah, expensive place. And Maitri states that the other table should have covered her check. The manager tells her that this is not the case. They did not, they're, you know, they didn't cover it and she is responsible. And Maitri says Mm -hmm. that she is from Mars and maybe she could settle her debt with, with sex. Mm -hmm. Um, She pulls out a joint and then a staff member at the restaurant calls the Lost Hill Sheriff Station. So there's a lot of questions in my mind right now. Like, one, why is she there? Why is she at this restaurant? Why is she 45 minutes away from her uh, house? And and this is an area that her family claims that she's not familiar with. But as we all know, you know, my parents don't know every place that I go to or places that are familiar to me. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're just not familiar with the fact that she goes to Malibu often. Right. Uh, but it's very odd that she talks to this valet guy and says, hey, well, is Vanessa here? Okay, so there's a couple things. She's assuming that the valet knows Vanessa. So one one of the things that I think is, was she meeting Vanessa as a, a, as a date? Because she was an open lesbian. Was it, was, it, was it a date? Was it just a friend? Or was Vanessa somebody that worked there? And maybe that uh, maybe Mitrice actually visited this restaurant multiple times. We don't know that. You know what I mean? And so when he says, well, I don't know who you're talking about. Or maybe she had the wrong location. Right. You know, this is an area she's not familiar with. Maybe she stopped at the wrong restaurant. You know, she's given directions to something and she thinks she's at the right place. Very possible. And that's why I'd want to know what the cell phone records were before all this. Because, you know, what if, again, what if she's meeting Vanessa that works at a restaurant? And so she goes and stops in a restaurant and thinks, well, I'm just going to go get a table and my friend works at the restaurant and she said, come down meals on me. Well, and here's the thing too, about her interaction with the valet. So there's a lot of red flags there, right? It sounds like everything that she did and said to the valet sounds to be crazy talk. However, if you take away a couple of those actions, some of it's not crazy talk. So had she not sat down in his car and had she not said anything about Michael Jackson's death, her just asking about a Vanessa would not seem crazy just because he doesn't know who she is. Yeah. And or, second of all, it, when, when she says, mm-hmm. keep an eye out for a girl with tattoos on her arms. Well, that sounds crazy too. However, what if the Vanessa, she thought she's meeting a Vanessa and she's just letting the valet know, Oh, he doesn't know who I'm talking about. Keep an eye out for the girl with tattoos on her arms. Vanessa has tattoos on her arms. Right. That's, right. You know, so those last again, two things sound crazy unless you take away the Michael Jackson and the, the sitting in the vehicle. Yeah. Or like you said, if she's at a restaurant that Vanessa works at, then, you know, 
she missed one phrase. What if it was, is Vanessa here? I don't know who Vanessa is. It The girl with the tattoo. She works here. Then the guy could have said, ah, Vanessa doesn't work here. And then maybe she would realize I'm at the wrong place. Either way, she sits down and, and, and we don't believe that she's there to meet Vanessa, mainly because the hostess says she asked for a table for one. Right. But like we all know, they don't make some table where you sit in the corner and just stare at the wall. You know, it's you can ask for a table for one, but that's really just going to be determine how many menus you get. Right. 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 So, I mean, oh, so, okay. So she asked for a table for one, then she sits down. Now, I find this odd because I'm not one to go over and just talk to a group of people. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you can see talking to one person or, or, but, but a, a group of seven. Yeah. And, and the strange thing here though, is it sounds like she just went over and sat down and joined in mid conversation. It's not like she walked over and introduced herself and asked if she could sit down. It sounds like she just, there happened to be an empty seat and she just went over and took that seat yeah. and, and began talking like she knew the people. Now the valet did come in at some point and tell the hostess, Hey, that girl that came in by herself, she's, she's a little weird. So, so the staff is on a little bit of heightened awareness of what's going on here. This table of seven, they don't know anything that's weird. They just see this young, good looking girl that comes over to their table and it sits down and starts talking. She, she, she's well-spoken. She has a jovial personality. Mm -hmm. Um, they probably didn't want to kick her off of the table, but somebody from the staff did drop by at some point and kind of check in on the right, table make to sure make sure okay. every, you know, yeah. is everything okay? Well, and you worked in a restaurant and so like, there's probably times that people came up when you had like a kind of weird customer and said, Hey guy at table seven mm -hmm. kind of talking to himself. You know what I mean? Like just like small talk that what goes down. Well, the, the restaurant that I worked in and I worked there for quite some time, but usually the weird customers were repeat customers, uh, that they would often come in by themselves <laughs> or just one person The regular with, weirdos. With they were regulars. So you yeah. always knew how to handle the situation. So if you saw them you know, talking with another table, it didn't, you didn't really care because you'd seen them do it a hundred times before and you knew they were harmless. They're a bit annoying, right. but they're harmless. Now, uh, there are two different accounts here. Uh, when you, when you listen to, uh, when you listen to my Teresa's family talk yeah. about how this restaurant thing went down, they explained that they think that maybe she thought that the, the table was going to buy her dinner. That, that they believed that she she didn't place the order until after she had gone over to the other table, talked with them for a while. Uh, somebody at that table did say something to the fact like, well, aren't you going to eat? Right. And and they said, well, she being a young, attractive woman yeah. might have believed that they were offering to buy her meal. Yeah. And so she was under the assumption that they were buying I kind of take expensive. it expensive. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of, I kind of take it more as, you know, Oh, aren't you going to eat like kind of a reminder to go back to your own table? Right, like right, a, right. in a very polite way. Trying to be polite about it. So, but, but that's also makes sense because when they, when she goes to walk out and they say, Hey ma'am, are you going to pay your bill? She says, well, the other table is going to take care of it. Right. And so again, this is so strange because she doesn't have her ID on her. She doesn't, uh, you know, on her person, you know, and she doesn't have her wallet. So she has no way of paying right uh, on her person. And then there's a couple of accounts where it says that some of the staff members offered to pay her bill. Yeah. But the manager was like, no. And I wonder if that's just, uh, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I wonder if that partly is just a race thing. Well, 
the from what I heard was the manager thought that she was intoxicated because of the way that she uh, right, was talking. Okay. And he thought that if we pay her bill, well, then they're just the the sheriff's department's not going to take her in. Right. And he didn't feel comfortable with her getting in a car and driving off. Okay. Um, so he thought he was looking out for her is what he says after the fact that, that he wasn't going to let them cover the bill. Yeah. I buy that some, but what we'll find out later is that, you know, he has her car towed, mm-hmm. right? So if you're really trying to help her out, then yeah, you don't mind the cops coming and taking her away. And then she doesn't have to drive cause she's drunk. Uh, but you're not going to tow her car, so she has to pay the towing fee in the impound lot. But I think a lot of this stuff is hindsight, and he's like, oh, well, I was just trying to help her. Yeah. Right? So, But it's strange. So they, they offer to pay her bill. He doesn't let her do that. Uh, she's acting a little strange, like you said. And there's I, I haven't heard any accounts uh, of her fumbling through her pants and, and, and a joint falling out. Well, what, what I said she pulls out a joint, but the, the account I actually heard was that she opened up her pockets to show that she had no money. And in the right. course of that, a joint fell out. Um, now, but you mentioned something leading up to that of her pulling out the pockets was you had you had seen something where where the account was that she said busted. You know, right. Yeah. Yeah. When, when she's asked, how are you going to pay for your bill or no, they're not covering your bill. You need to right. settle up. And then she said, yeah, I'm busted. And I actually took it a different way rather than you took it as, oh, well, you caught me. You know, I thought I was slipping out the door and you caught me. Right. I actually took it as I'm busted as in, I have no money mm-hmm. and then pull open the pockets to prove that you're, you know, your wallet's busted. You have no money. Yeah. Um, it seems like she's kind of just joking around with the staff trying to get out of it. Which I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't see that as being crazy or manic or bipolar or anything. Like she seems to be like coherent. But like you said, the manager's thinking that she's drunk. Right. So now we're waiting for the cops to show up. And I think uh, my tree starts taking this a little more serious. Well, the thing here, just backing up just a second, where she does say that I'm from Mars. Now, that's extremely strange because it doesn't seem like she's working towards solving this issue of there's this unpaid bill. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I wouldn't go say I'm from Mars. I would figure out a way that. But I it's would, all subliminal, man. Right. But can but can I make arrangements for you to pay later? Can I, can we work this out somehow? I do believe. Yeah, but you also said that she offered sex. Yeah, but I think that might have been a joke. I, oh, I think it was a joke. Yeah, I th- yeah. I think she was kind of joking, like, "Oh, what am I going to do here?" You know, yeah. you want me to wash some dishes? You want to? Right, want, right. Yeah, want me to give you a hand job in the lobby? I it sounds strange, but I kind of think thought of it as a joke. Uh, during during the course when they're waiting for the sheriff's department to arrive, mm-hmm. the the manager says that my tree seemed to be confused and almost like she was in some kind of trance from time to time. Uh, the sheriff's department. Uh, they arrive. They send out some deputies to Joffrey's to check on the situation. Mitrice is now telling the hostess that she had been watching a soap opera and God had told her to take the afternoon off. Wow. Mitrice said that she had no parents, but she did have a great grandmother. So the restaurant decides at this point, well, let's call her great grandmother and ask her if she would like to help out her, her great granddaughter and yeah. pay the bill. And of course, the great grandmother answers the phone. And she does want to help out her her great granddaughter. Uh, she gave she gave the um, credit card information. Correct. Well, let me take this over real quick because she gives her credit card information, and this goes back to the idea that this manager is he's so helpful. He's just trying to help 
my trees, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the great-grandmother, which is 80-some years old, says, hey, here's my credit card information. And then they say, well, we can't take the payment. Right, because they require a signature. Right, which, which I get. Uh, but the fact that you want an 80-some-year-old lady to drive down, which I, I don't know how far is away from the great-grandmother, 45 minutes or so, um, which again, again, take the credit card and say, Hey, look, come in in the next few days mm-hmm. and, and, and sign it and we're good to go. Um, also you could run it as probably a debit or something. There's probably all these different ways. And then the whole thing was that they wanted a fax. They want the grandma to send a fax and the grandma's like, well, I'm going to have a fax machine. Right, right. So now you have this situation where the bill needs to be paid. The cops are on their way. The grandma can't help out. My Therese is there by herself, and now the cops are coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they send, it's about 9 p.m. when the deputies arrive, and there's three of them. So, I mean, this sounds to me like a slow night. You heard the 911 mm-hmm. call. It's not, you know, it doesn't sound like she's, you know, she's referred to as there's a guest here, and she's refusing to pay her bill. Yeah. But but the, the person calling, the waitress or the hostess calling, doesn't seem to be like there's any kind of big, uh, commotion going on right. or, you she's know, not violent. She's not creating a scene. Right. Um, so they send three of their finest out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. and one of the deputies got on the phone with the great grandmother and let, uh, Matrice talk to the great grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is some inter- interaction between my and her family at this point. Um, it sounds like the great grandmother kind of gave up figuring out that she's not going to be able to pay the bill and figured out that her great granddaughter is going to have to go to jail for the Mm -hmm. night. Um, At this point, two of the deputies search my car. They don't note that they find her cell phone or her wallet. They do note that they found her driver's license and half empty bottles of booze. So one of the officers, and I guess that he may have been going off of the booze bottles and the cocktail that she ordered at dinner right. and some of the crazy statements that my is making. Uh, but of course he says that she is drunk. So at that point, one of the other officers administers a field sobriety test. And then he concludes that she in fact is sober. She's, she's not intoxicated. Right. She passes the field sobriety test. Then they start asking her other questions like have, have, are you on any medication? Mm-hmm. She says no. Right. Have, because if she's not drunk, then she- then she's either drunk or she's crazy is what mm-hmm. the officers are thinking. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been placed on a 72 hour hold for psychological evaluation? Right. Again with the crazy. Yeah. And she says no. Uh, so at this point, my is arrested. And as you said, later the car is towed from the parking lot. Well, and I've, I heard that they found a, a less than an ounce of weed. It, yeah. In the I, center console. Yeah. It sounded like it was, uh, uh, it, it didn't sound to me like it was packaged up weed. It sounded like it was like, you know, like maybe you roll a joint and things fall out. It sounded like it was little bits and fragments and debris of marijuana. Right. right. I, I don't know if they'd actually hold those charges or they just drop them later. The fact of the matter is we have a young 24 year old black female in Malibu that didn't pay her bill. Mm-hmm. Right. They call the cops. The cops can't make arrests because that's just a misdemeanor. And so it's actually a, a citizen's arrest right. on the on the unpaid bill, right? Because which, the restaurant says they will press charges on right, the unpaid right. bill, and 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 I think again, 
with her mental state or whatever's going on. The, the manager probably did not want her to drive. I understand that. The cops show up. They find her ID. They know who it is now, Matrice Richardson. And we think she's drunk. She passes the test. Mm-hmm. But we got a little bit of weed, but we're still going to take her down to the station. And we'll get back to this case right after this quick beer break. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off 
IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need to pack a lunch and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Cheers, everybody. We're back. And where we left off, Matrice, she didn't pay her bill. The cops came. They gave her a field sobriety test that she passed. And now they took her back to the police station. Yeah, and her car has been towed as well. And at this point, her remember she had called her great-grandmother from the restaurant to, to see if she would pay the bill? Yeah. Um, at this point, the great-grandmother calls Mitrice's mother and tells her what just went down. And that at this time, that Mitrice is probably being taken back to the sheriff's department. So Mitrice's mother, her name is... Latisse, she calls the sheriff's department. Now, remember, we heard in the trailer there, that's her calling the sheriff's department asking, you know, have you picked up my daughter? Is she in your custody? And they're stating, well, she's en route back to the sheriff's department. And she's also saying, you know, if you guys are going to keep her there overnight, then I'm not going to come down and get her tonight. Yeah, yeah because I feel she's safe. Plus, Latisse has a daughter at home mm-hmm. that she's caring for and probably doesn't want to wake up the daughter and make the long drive to go pick up her other daughter. Yeah, I want to say it's about 60 miles away. Once Mitrice is back at the sheriff's department, she's in sheriff's custody at this point, she is granted her phone call or phone calls. Uh, the only number that Mitrice has memorized is her great-grandmother. This mm-hmm. was the person that was called at the restaurant. Um, a logbook shows that Mitrice called her great-grandmother or at least tried to call her four times. Mitrice is overheard talking on the phone, but Mildred, which is the great-grandmother, insists that she never spoke to Mitrice once she was at the station. These phone calls were placed on a non-recording line. The payphone, which records outgoing phone calls, was broken at the time of Mitrice's detainment. So she's calling on this phone that does not record anything, 
And the grandmother is saying, we didn't speak to her that night once she has been arrested. I have no reason to not believe her grandmother. Right. Again, I mean, well, based off the age, we could, one, assume that maybe the grandma doesn't remember. But the, this is such a big thing because she goes missing. And this is such a big ordeal for the family that I do believe that she didn't call her. So my Trice was calling somebody. And that's the big red flag to me was who the hell was she calling? Well, just to address that real quick, I, as you said, I believe the great grandmother as well, because the great grandmother, she repeats later on the conversation she had with my at the restaurant when my called from the restaurant. Yeah. And it was not a very friendly conversation from the great grandmother's perspective. No. She basically said, they're going to take your black ass to jail. Um, you know, well, <laughs> she's old like school. my grandma. That's what yeah. my grandma would have said the same thing verbatim. Um, but <laughs> she'd say, Nick, they're going to take your black ass to jail. Well, I think Mildred here is sharp as a tack is what I'm getting at. And mm-hmm. she does, she does not fumble on having the conversation with my trees at the restaurant. She is saying she may have called somebody four times. She did not call me. Um, but here's what I think happened here. Captain. I think that maybe the great grandmother, that might be the only number that she did have memorized. Right, right. And I think that she may have just been pretending to talk into the phone. You know, uh, I don't know the setup there, but if you're not behind bars or given her state of mind, I don't know. Well, yeah. Well, given her state of mind, I mean, again, there's speculation that she, you know, hints hints of some kind of mental illness, bipolar. Maybe she's manic. So, yeah, maybe she is sitting there talking to the phone. And if and that would, you know, with evidence that she was crazy, but you'd have to be crazy just to be sitting there talking to nobody. Yeah, you know I mean, like that. Why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, yeah. here's the other. It's it's a bit of the perfect storm, and we're going to see this from time to time again. In this case, mm-hmm. she happens to be arrested on a night where the regular phone does not work. It's not working. It's not recording right. the conversation. It's the perfect storm. It's another big question. Like you said, so many questions. Here's a question I have. Mm -hmm. Okay. LA County is one of the largest jurisdictions in the United States. I think it's the second or the third largest. So we're not talking about some podunk uh, operation here, Mm -hmm. right? This is supposed to be one of the better operations in the country. We're not talking about a garage based podcast. This is also a case that took place in 2009. Okay. Mm. Can we at least get to, can we get up to speed? Can we get into the present here? And what I mean by that is there are so many of us walking around right now that do not have phone numbers memorized. We just don't memorize them anymore. Right. It's kept in this magic little box that that's in mm. your pocket or your pocketbook and it's with you at all times. And it has all of your contacts in there. Well, one of the faults of the deputies is when they arrest her, they, they do not, you know, they find her ID so they know who she is, but they do not find her wallet and they do not find her cell phone. And if they would have found those two things, then I believe that they should put that with her. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. And I think that we need to, as a country and, and, mm-hmm. and, and these big counties, these big jurisdictions like this should be the ones to lead the way. This needs to become a part of regular procedure when somebody is abducted or somebody is arrested. Sorry. Right. That. That they are asked, do you have a cell phone or do you have access to one? Now, I'm saying within reason. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be like, oh, I was arrested 10 miles away and my cell phone's at home. <laughs> right. We have to go retrieve it. Right, right. No, but if if she says my cell phone's in my car or if someone insists that their cell phone is somewhere within yeah. a reasonable distance, 
that they obtain that because you are supposed to be granted a phone call or a phone calls. And whom are you supposed to call if you don't know any phone numbers? Right, right. I, I totally understand. I get that. But it, it, it's tough because it's like there's a part of me that feels for the cops. You know, you're dealing with this individual that is saying some stuff. I mean, I'm revenging the death of Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing, uh, what did she say to the, the valet driver again? Um, it's subliminal. Yeah, it's subliminal. So who knows what th- she's saying to them. And then, so did she even tell them, hey, my wallet my and my cell phone are in the car? It's a little strange to me, though, that they, they note that they find her ID, that mm-hmm. they note that they find marijuana, and that they find um, half-empty bottles of booze. I like to think of them as half full, but that's just me. Um, But they do not, they don't note that they find her cell phone or her, her purse or her wallet. Right. Right. Uh, Did, did they, it sounds like a very cluttered car. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there. So I can understand that they, they may not have found it, but I mean, what's the procedure here? If you are following procedure, if you find a little bit of drugs, aren't you supposed to search that car pretty hardcore? Right. right. Wouldn't you think, wouldn't you think so that that's, yeah, you think, and not only that you're picking up a girl and you're not really sure why you're arresting her. You know what I mean? We know citizens arrest, right? We know she didn't pay her bill, but you can't, you can't figure out why she's talking the way that she's talking. She's not drunk. She's not on medication according to her. And Mm -hmm. she's never been, checked for psychological problems according to her. Well, that, that's the other thing though too is like the family really goes after the police department saying, "Hey, you guys should be more well aware of her condition." Well, the problem is is that you're meeting Matrice for the first time. Mm-hmm. So when you're hearing crazy talk, you don't know what the baseline is. You don't know how she normally is. So it's kind of hard to say, "Well, she's acting crazy because you don't know what her, you know, some people just act crazy all the time." You know how many times that cops nurses and people like that you know uh, that deal with the public and that are servants to the public have to deal with people that are intoxicated people that have alcoholism uh people that uh that have mental problems and they're they're just so used to this you know so how are they supposed to know how are they supposed to know what my trees is normally like yeah but i think i'm going at this from actually a benefit to no 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 yeah yeah so i agree with you on the idea they should have found the cell phone and then once they find the cell phone, they should have brought it to the department. Right, so and, and I want to be clear why I'm bringing this up, because I think this is actually a benefit not just to the person you're detaining, but also a benefit to the police department as well. Right. If, these, if, if you take this person back and they have no one to call, who's going to pay this bail? Who's going to pick up this person? Mm-hmm. This person may become your problem for a much more extended period of time than it needs to be. And if that yeah. person has a phone directory of of persons that are supposed to know them and care about them, then hopefully they get picked up safely and a bail gets paid in a timely manner. And all these things can happen right. so that this person doesn't end up being your problem. Well, here's what happened though. Mm-hmm. The, the, the lost Hill Sheriff's department, they figured out how not to make this their problem, right? Because at, at a little after midnight, midnight, this is 12, 15 AM. Okay. On, so how many hours after? So she's the, the, the sheriff's deputies arrived around 9 PM. Mm-hmm. So she's in route shortly after that time. Okay. So this is after midnight, 12, 15 AM on Thursday, September 17th, 2009. Right. This is according to, to several accounts here. Jailer Sharon Cummings released my Richardson. Uh, now, as you had said, this is about 40 miles from her home. 
uh, with no phone, no money, and no transportation. Cummings says that Mitrice refused the offer to stay in the lobby and wait for a ride, saying that Mitrice said she was going to meet some friends. Right. Now, we do have to talk about well, this for— Well, let me—before we move on, the, let me—I want a definitive answer from you. Who do you think she was talking to? Is it just a big question mark for you, or do you think she was just talking to herself? I think it, I think she might have been talking to a dial tone. I think she may have. I think she may have called her uh, her great grandmother's right. number, and mm-hmm. nobody picked up. And and maybe there's no voicemail mm-hmm. set up there, and she was just talking to the the ringing phone. Um, well, yeah. And I don't think I don't. It's either a sign of her having a mental break or buying some time for whatever reason. Uh, yeah. or to buy another phone call. Sometimes you have to, sometimes they're very strict about the amount of phone calls they give you. Right. Unless you seem to be putting together actions to get you released where you, you might be able to manipulate the situation a little bit and say, okay, well I just talked to my great grandmother. She's going to make arrangements with so-and-so and so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And she told me to call back. Okay. But yeah. yeah. It I, could be a bit of an acting job is what I'm getting at. Yeah. It's weird though. But to me, when you're offered, but you know the deputy offers you a place to stay. Again, who knows? We 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 only have one side of the story. Mm-hmm. We you know there there's three sides of the story. There's Matrice's and then there's deputies and then there's the truth somewhere in the middle. But we don't have Matrice's side, and so she's offered to stay. She doesn't stay, which then makes me wonder: Was she actually talking to somebody in Malibu? And was she often in Malibu? And was she there to actually meet a Vanessa? And was she on the phone to Vanessa? But she was saying it was my, my, you know, I'm calling my grandmother. Well, you say my grandmother because then they're going to give you more calls. Mm -hmm. But if you say you're meeting Vanessa or your date or your girlfriend or whatever you're saying, then maybe they don't give you as many calls. So anyways, we're at the point where they, they let her go. And this is like 1230 something, right? 1215. And the later... You know, much later after the fact, the uh, sheriff's department would go out of their way to bring up that Sharon Cummings is an African-American woman um, because, you know, they're going to have to defend themselves later because they're releasing an African-American woman. So I think they they wanted to really make that clear to everybody. It was an African-American woman that was Mm -hmm. working the jail that night. Um, But there's other deputies there, too. It's not just it's not just the Sharon Cummings show. You know, there's other people there making these determinations as whether to release somebody or not release somebody. Mm -hmm. Now, the deputies would say that, you know, once we got her back to the sheriff's department, we found that she was well-spoken and that she seemed to be aware of her surroundings and aware of the situation and what was going on. Mm -hmm. So we decided because she's an adult and she wanted to leave, we couldn't make her stay and wait for a ride from her mother. Right. Uh, So we, we had to let her go. There, there's, I have several problems with this. Okay. Mm-hmm. What, what the hell happened between being picked up at 9 PM and midnight that made you go from this chick is crazy to, Oh, she's well-spoken and she knows what the heck's going on. Let's go ahead and release her. Well, and what we were talking about earlier is we have this idea that these deputies show up, the three deputies, cause it's a slow night, mm-hmm. but then we give her a field sobriety test because we think that she's drunk. Or she's crazy. Well, she passed the test. So she's probably not drunk. So then she's probably crazy, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really the transfer of power. When they have her in custody and then they hand over the custody of Matrice to the the actual jail, 
then it's on the jail. And was did the deputies not speak up to the jail enough? You know, and I'm not look. I mean, you know, you have to file a report and all that stuff. But when you're transferring the person, what was that conversation like? Mm-hmm. Because did that conversation happen, and then the then the jailers just go, "Well, we're going to let her sit here and see what happens." You know, because if there wasn't much of a conversation, right, and there wasn't this much of an interaction, and there was not a "Hey, this girl's acting a little crazy." Well, then you put her in a cell, and for three hours, she just kind of paces around in the cell. It is odd. Which is understandable, but what's your point? When they transferred custody, did they provide the information correctly? And if the jail was provided that information, what made them overturn that information? Because the protocol would be, well, let's put her on a watch, and then she won't be able to be released until a doctor, and it's a Wednesday, so you know that there's a doctor going to be coming in on that Thursday. Yeah, Thursday morning. Right, and then they get psych evaluated, and it covers your ass. But again, it's it's miscommunication and handing over custody. So Matrice has been released by the sheriff's department, and then at 5.35 a.m., her mother calls back to the sheriff's department. Now let's play that clip. Yes, good Good morning. My name is Latisse Bratton. I'm calling to follow up on my daughter who was brought in last night around 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Okay, let me transfer the jailer. Hold on, please. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Hold, hold, hold down the... Station, Baumgartner. Yes, hi. My name is Latisse Bratton. I called not too long ago regarding my daughter, Matrice Richardson. How long before a missing person's report can be filed? Is it 24 or 48 hours? That's normal. Well, it depends on the circumstances, but uh, um, I, I didn't take your call, so I'm not familiar with it. Did she just not return home after going out? She was arrested last night. This is the first time she's been arrested. Um, she's in an unknown area mm-hmm. that she's never been in. She's without a vehicle. Nobody can find her. And, and where was this at? Where was she arrested at? Your, your facility. Her name is Maitrice Richardson. Okay. Do, do you know if she's, if she's here now or was she released? They said she was released. Okay. And what time was she released? Um, at, at just shortly after 12 a.m. Yeah. Normally, I, we wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend doing one uh, that soon. Um, right. What is the time frame? You know, I, I guess probably 24 hours would be reasonable. I mean, okay. if, if there would be some some mitigating factors, you know, where, you know, you su- would suspect maybe something, you know, well, not yeah. right, right? She doesn't know the area. She's never been in your area before. Where, where, do you, where does she live? She is unfamiliar with that area. Do she you think she have... possibly could have gotten a bus home? No. Oh, Listen, my child has never ridden a bus. Okay. No, right. she would not know how to ride a bus. <laughs> I would probably wait till you know, early this morning. And if she doesn't turn up, you can certainly call. I don't suspect anything um, bad happened. I'm concerned because, uh, well, first of all, I thought they were going to keep her overnight because she was highly intoxicated. Mm-hmm. Um, Something, something is obviously going on with her. Have you she talked tried, to the jailer? And yes, 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 I have. He said he tried to get her to stay, but because she was an adult, they had to let her go. I, I believe that she is highly depressed, um, and she, she, she's in a depressive state. 
You know, it could be possible that maybe she... I mean, there's a lot of options and I, a lot of possibilities, and I don't think all of them would be, um, you know, something dire. But I can certainly understand your fears, you know, being your daughter and all that. Well, um, I think she's depressed. That's what has me is more that what, That's worried that. you more than just her... Okay. That and the fact that she's in an area where she doesn't know where she's at. Yeah, does so. she take medication at all? No, she. I I believe it's a state that she's in right now because of just the the weird activity that's been going on. What, what's your name? Day. What's your her name? name is, her name is Maitrice okay. Richardson. Okay. And your name, ma'am? Latisse. Okay, Latisse. Here, here's what I want you to do. Let yes. get. Why don't you wait a couple hours and and give us some time to kind of. I'll go back and talk to the jailer and try and get a timeline of when she was released and, you know, make sure she's not asleep in our lobby or anything like that. And then once you give us a call back in a couple hours, if she hasn't shown up okay. or made contact with you, then maybe we can do something for you, okay? And with that um, phone call, you can really hear the emotion going through the mother and, the, and her gut feeling is saying that there's something wrong. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't know where her daughter is. She knows that the daughter's been released uh, she called while the daughter was in transit to the sheriff's department. And she even says, as long as you guys are not going to, you know, let her out, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's crazy out here. People get people, you know, she, she could get said. her head chopped off, right. I think is what she says. Yeah. And so you hear the concern and, and how scared she is. But I will say one thing that I commend her on is she keeps her composure She's yeah. talking to the officer in a respectful manner, asking him questions for his advice. Um, I well, think that my trees was a well-spoken lady mm-hmm. and, and it comes stems from her family. It seems like her family is of, of, of I don't want to say high intelligence, but they're definitely <laughs> they're intellectual de- and they carry themselves in a professional manner exactly. from, from what I've seen. And as we heard here on this phone call, she's in probably the worst situation, the worst day she could ever have right. her daughter's missing and she's still being respectful of the officer mm-hmm. and asking his opinion on when the, when is it the proper time to file the missing persons report? Yeah. And the proper time is now. Yeah. You but know, well, for look. the officer, for her, she doesn't know any better. You know what I mean? I, right. I, I get yeah. what you're saying. As a parent, you you should you should push the envelope. But I think what we're seeing here is I I, I put myself in her shoes because I can well, be forward when I need to be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I do start off every conversation in a respectful manner and try to be nice to because I want the uh, I always go into everything as you know how can I help you to help me. Kind of right, thing, right. you know. I don't want to come in there aggressively saying you got to do this, you got to do that, because they might not follow through. The only thing is the disconcerting thing here is with the officer Bumgardner. He 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 can understand that she's distressed, mm-hmm. and he says he's going to go back and talk to the jailer, and he's going to work on these things. I don't doubt that he's going to do these, and maybe I'm reading him the wrong way. I just I just hate when I hear the sheriff's department and and I say them particularly because mm-hmm. I've. I've experienced this in my own life in a, in a much less um, severe situation, 
But I've seen a lot of passing the buck with some of these sheriff's mm-hmm. departments where it's always like, I mean, he keeps saying, well, why don't you call back in a couple hours? Well, yeah. is his shift over soon? You right, know, is, right. is, is, is this is 535. If it's anything like yeah, Columbus. shifts over at about seven. It should be a seven if, it, if, yeah. if, if they do things. They, the call way they back do. in a couple hours when I don't have to deal with you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and this the, sounds and, like a lot of paperwork. Well, but time and time again, it's, you know, mother's intuition is normally not wrong. And she has this gut feeling that's saying, hey, something's not right. One, it's weird that she went to this restaurant. I don't I don't understand the area. I don't understand why she didn't have money to pay for this. Right? This is not like her. She's talking crazy talk. Okay, I, I don't know what the hell's going on. Are you going to keep her? No. Okay, good. Because if you're going to keep her, awesome. Because I don't want her head chopped off. Right. And, oh, you let her go? What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Right? I, I just got done talking to you and said, don't let her go. You know? And 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 that's the issue because like I said, the transfer of power when of custody when when the deputies took her in, and then on top of that, you have a mother going, This is added character. And and I think if she would have said certain words, well, I'm very concerned, maybe she's depressed. Maybe she's suicidal. If she would have said certain words, if but she would have said suicidal, that could have been big. Yeah, yeah, it could have been big. But I'm not going to put the fault on the mother. No, no, no. She no. is trying to be respectful, you know, of of the sheriff department, right? Mm-hmm. She's trying to be respectful. She's not going, "Hey, you need to do this or you need to do that." And they constantly, "Oh, let's have you call back again." Um, well, I like here. And I, when I say like, I mean, I'm being sarcastic here, but she asked, when do, when can I file a missing persons report? Do you have to wait 24 hours or 48 hours? And his answer is, well, that's usually the case unless there's other mitigating factors. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what officer, the mother calling you is another, is that mitigating factor that you're talking about. And you can hear her (laughs) breaking up. You can hear her choking up. And, yeah. and, uh, and what's the worst thing that can happen? You released her. She's in an area she's not familiar with. And they're going, what's the worst thing that can happen? Hey, we should probably just pick her up. Let's put out a couple squads or units, right? Put out a couple units. It's a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It can't be that busy. You, ha- you sent three deputies over for a girl not paying her bill for a citizen's arrest. Right. Put out a couple units to look for, for, for that Thursday morning. If we yep. find her, bring her back, and her mother will come and pick her up in a couple hours. Mm-hmm. And the, and and this all this stuff could be, uh, all this this whole tragedy could have been avoided if if they would have just got off their ass and did a couple things. And that brings us to the next thing. So then we have this uh, report about a, a prowler. On uh, on some property. Yeah. So they received that call from from Matrice's mother at five thirty five a.m. and then less than an hour later at six thirty a.m. they receive this phone call. Hello, Sheriff Station Office. Can I help you? Yeah. Hi. Hey. Uh, this is uh, uh, Smith at Cold Canyon. We had a prowler walking around through the backyard here, but we don't know what the situation was. I uh, don't know if you had a unit in the area. It might do a little drive by or something. <clears throat> okay. Where's this at? This is Cold Canyon, like hot and cold in Montevideo. Um, and it's in the back of the house, uh, which is right where Wood Bluff hits the hits uh, Cold Canyon. Uh, 
And uh, we just had a strange woman walking through the backyard here. It's a fairly large property, and she was sitting on the steps right, right on the back of the house here. Uh, this is kind of a circular driveway, and the gates were closed, so we don't know where this woman came from. You said the cross was Wood Bluff? Yeah, that's right. Uh, there's there's a, a horse trail, ac hiking trail access through here, but we've never had this kind of happen, thing happen before. <laughs> what she look like? White, black, Hispanic? Uh, uh, you know, a tall, slim, black woman with Afro hair. How tall? Uh, well, she was sitting down, stretched out on the wooden steps in the back of the house. Hard to tell, but uh, she looked like she might have been medium to slightly tall, uh, with a big afro hair, very skinny. And I think she was wearing maybe jeans or tight pants with a t-shirt. You've never, you've never seen her there before? No, never. Nobody ever does that. I mean, the, the people hike on the trail all the time. We, you know, the trail goes through our property, but we leave it open on purpose because it's kind of a nice thing for horses and people. And you said she's laying across the she was laying across the steps or but she was sitting kind of sprawled out on the on these wooden steps in the back of the house, right against the back of the house. She's yeah. since got up and left? Uh she's since gone, yeah. She's been gone about five minutes now, but as we thought it over we thought maybe a little drive by wouldn't be a bad idea. And what direction was she she last seen headed? Never saw her. She once she left she just disappeared. Uh, we I moved from one window to another. I said to her, I, I hollered down, Are you all right? And she said, I'm just resting or something like that. Uh, but uh, she's certainly gone out of her way to get to that close to the house because the, the hiking trail is not that close. It's on the ridge. All right. Well, since we haven't checked the area for Appreciate that very much. Not a problem, sir. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So that is Bill Smith. He's a retired KTLA reporter. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the guy that calls in saying reporting the prowler. Uh, and he lives in Monte Nito, which is about six miles west of the sheriff's station. Uh, I do want to clear one thing up because he's a little muffled at the end there, and it's a little confusing what he's talking about. But at one point, he says that he opened up his window to ask the woman if she was okay, and she says something like, I'm just resting. Right. And that's when he said he went to another window to try to get a better look, and at during that time, she had left. Mm -hmm. She had left the property. You know, So where he says, I don't know, I never saw her. That's what he. That's what he's referencing. Right. They, he never he saw her up. the second time he went to look for her. Right. He saw her there. He didn't see which direction she left. These dispatchers crack me up though, because every time somebody says something, they're like, "What was that again?" Yeah. You well, know? it's like the first part of the phone call. It you like they greet you, but you have to prove to them reason for them to continue the phone call. You right. Know what but I mean? we see this happen twice when he goes, well, I'm here. And then we got a prowler. Where are you at? Where yeah. are you at? And then when, she, when the mother is talking to the one dispatcher and says, I'm calling about my daughter, you know, my trees Richardson. And he's like, who are you talking well, about? Well, not only that, I think when, when, uh, Latisse is on the phone, yeah. the call we heard the mother, uh, I believe that she's actually speaking with a detective or an officer. It's not just a dispatcher at that point. That Bumgardner guy is is an officer. Of right, some right, form. right. You know, he's not just some dude paid to answer the phone. Like maybe when you answer the phone, have a pad by you. Don't pull a nick and not pay attention when people talk. I'm not in public service. These people are in public service. <laughs> you are in public service. This I, podcast is a public service. Mm, you need to listen. We should point out, though, that it's not... 100% mm -hmm. verified that this is actually my t my trees. Right, but we we can assume. I the mean, vague description that's given, it, it it matches her very well. Yeah. You know, and when you see her mugshot of that night, her her hair is kind of it's not a it's not an afro. I mean, look, I'm a white dude from the suburbs, so I have no uh uh, you know, African American hairstyle expert. Mm -hmm. But it's uh but it's kind of disheveled. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it's not but it's not i wouldn't consider it an afro but this white reporter is going wow here's this uh black lady she's 
middle to tall. Mm-hmm. She has tight pants. Of course, it's such a man thing. Well, I noticed that her pants were tight. Well, if if you look up pictures of my trees, now mm-hmm. she did pageants. Um, so mm-hmm. she's you know she's attractive, and most of the pictures you will see of her, she's pretty well done up. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you see the arresting photo from that night, uh, her hair is quite poofed out compared to the, the yeah yeah but not, pictures. Right, right. And I can only imagine that if. If that's what her hair looked like around midnight, let's mm-hmm. say now she's been released and let's, let's assume here, cause we don't know for certain, but let's assume that she made that five and a half, six mile hike to Bill Smith's backyard on foot. If that hair was pretty poofed out before then, well, mm-hmm. it might be, it might be full, you know, Diana Ross Afro at some point. Right, right, I, yeah, I don't yeah. know. No, but at the end of the day, she has jeans on this, this prowler has yep. jeans on african-american lady uh it's slender yeah and and not medium to tall right and she has a black shirt on which we know that she um my trees had a bob marley black Mm t-shirt so we could just assume that it's it's more likely her yeah i think i to me i i feel good saying about 90 percent that it that it's her and one of the things that come up over and over in this case is that people say that this call is fishy and the reason why they say this is fishy is the way that the caller, the way he talks to the officer, as if he's done this before. So a lot of people say, well, this guy was probably a retired officer, or if it is this conspiracy and that this sheriff's department is in charge of this girl going missing, and and they're uh, charged, they're responsible for everything that happened to her. What they're saying is that they think this call was like a part of the conspiracy and that this was actually a police officer on duty. Hmm. Well, we know, we know that it was a reporter and that's probably why the lingo is coming out the way it is because he is a reporter Yeah, and and how much has a reporter dealt with law enforcement? Yeah. Especially if he was a field reporter, you know, Mm -hmm. he might be used to being in situations of, of stressful situations. Plus he also says that they have, there's trail access right by the house there. And that, you know, so you're, you often see hikers or people on horseback on this trail. So even though he said we've never had somebody in the backyard like this before, it wouldn't be crazy for him to think, well, this is not really a prowler. This might just be somebody that came off the trail right. and they might be experiencing exhaustion or something mm-hmm. like that. And that's probably why he opened up the window and said, hey, are you OK? Yeah. Um, and and then when she doesn't seem to go anywhere, you know, then, you know, at first that's when he's probably like. We might want to have a have a squad car just do a drive by. Yeah, and I think it was safety for the neighborhood, but I think it was also safety for this individual. I think you're right. You know, like here's this walking path, and maybe this person came off, but 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 they, there are walking paths, so it's not super uncommon. Now the question is, if it is her, how did she get six miles away? Mm-hmm. Now the average person can walk a mile in about fifteen minutes, right? Right. So that puts her at about an hour and a half mm-hmm. to get that length and we're talking uh, roughly about six hours yeah uh, roughly about six hours afterwards so that's about the time or that would be so we'd the have time a, doesn't match up no the time doesn't match up so what i'm saying is that we have this gap but was she walking on these trails and that's how she got to this neighborhood a good portion of that travel would have been conducted in the dark uh mm-hmm. first off 
And second of all, this is an area that, especially on foot, she's not going to know where she's going. Right. You know, we've we've heard her mother say that she does not know Malibu, that mm-hmm. Matrice doesn't know Malibu. Uh, she's not from there. This is an area unfamiliar to her. Well, on the streets, there's street signs and things to help direct you, even if you don't know the area. If mm-hmm. she's on foot and wandering around, and again, we don't know that her state of mind at this time, it's very well that she could have. it could have taken her five hours, six hours to get to this point. The other thing, too, is how long was she sitting there or lying there until Bill noticed yeah, yeah. her outside? Yeah, what if she, uh, what if she made... She could have made it through those trails and onto this property, you know, within, let's say, two hours. And right. then she was sleeping. Right. Because know, Bill, Bill could have been asleep the whole time and never mm-hmm. noticed her. Maybe he wakes up at 6.15 right. and just spotted her at 6.30. And he, and he says sprawled out. But so my gut feeling is it's her. Me too. The strange thing here is that he, he does more than once say how close she is to the house. Mm-hmm. And that's what he found strange that, that, you know, maybe it wouldn't be so strange for somebody to wander into his backyard, but he's saying she's, she came really close to the house to be up on those steps. Well, like, like we know with the whole valet thing, I mean, she got into a valet's car. I mean, that's talking, talking about invading personal space. So I feel like, uh, based off that evidence, again, my gut feeling, it, it is my trees. Me too. Now, a few days later, the sheriff's department conducts their first search, but they start the search at Bill Smith's house. Um, This is one thing that I thought interesting that a reporter brought up because they were using uh, scent dogs to to sniff out and try to track Mitrice from Bill Smith's house, right? Right. Yeah. Now, this reporter brought up a a good thing that, that I would probably wouldn't have thought of on my own here, but they suggested, why wouldn't you have the dogs start off at the sheriff's department because right. she she left there on foot you know she had no vehicle if you would have had the scent dogs trace her from the sheriff's department mm-hmm. you would be able to make the determination most likely whether she had actually left on foot or if she was picked up in a vehicle yeah um that that would be interesting to know but of course they didn't do it in that fashion they started the dogs off at bill smith's house and they did find um they did discover what appeared to be sneaker prints in the front yard, um, mm-hmm. and they're guessing these would have been Mitrice's uh, footprints. Uh, and it appeared, they say it appeared that she had been running. Um, I'm guessing maybe the, maybe the footprints are further apart than you would expect for walking. There's some way they could probably determine right. uh, the movement of the person creating those prints. But they say it appears that she had been running. Uh, now, remember, this area is filled with horse trails. So eventually they lose these tracks. Right. They lose the footprints amongst all of the horse tracks. Well, not only the horse tracks, but this is also a walking path. So basically all the tracks combine. It just got too much where it's lost. So if it is my trees, uh, we don't know if at that point, if she got in a vehicle or if those tracks were just cert- simply stamped out by the horses. Right. And what we don't know is, did she get in a vehicle to get to this neighborhood? Right. If, if we're assuming that this was her, the, the AKA prowler, mm-hmm. then did she get there by foot or did she get there by uh, a vehicle? And then did she know the person in the vehicle or did, did, did she just, was she able to hitch a ride? Cause like we said, she's an attractive female. There's probably a lot of guys that were, would be willing to give her, you know, a ride. Oh yeah. yeah. So, and so then she's there, but again, if you would have, if you would have followed the scent dogs from the police department, we'd have a little more clarity on that. 
Well, let's talk about LAPD here because we the actual fact of the investigation is that because Mitrice lived in LA, LAPD mm-hmm. was put in charge of the actual investigation of her missing persons. Uh, well, that's the first problem. So LAPD found amongst other items and they, they went and searched her vehicle and they found these items amongst others. They found her ATM card, a checkbook and cell phone in the car. They also found journals and after reviewing, Reviewing, yeah, that's the word. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they reviewed the journals, and there's several days. And what they did, too, which I thought was pretty fascinating, was they went back through her MySpace, which that's dating this case a little bit. Uh, I think she held on to the MySpace account a little too long. But uh, MySpace and Facebook and any social media. So they basically took the journal entries and then looked at entries online mm-hmm. and to try to... And what they realized was there's so many journal entries and so many social media that they they started questioning was she even sleeping properly? Right, right. And they're able to determine that from the journals as well. They conclude that she may have been sleep depraved for several days leading up to that day, mm-hmm. and it's quite possible that she had suffered a bipolar episode that night. Now, just to be clear, that there bipolar is a very difficult thing. It's one of the most Mental illness is that it's a, a mixed misdiagnosed bipolar is. And so, um, and normally to get a clear, concise bipolar diagnosis, it normally takes years. So there is no, she is not being treated for this. Right. This is just speculation that this stuff was going on and that maybe she was in a, a manic or a hypermanic state. And so by being in this state, yeah, you will be you would just will be sleep deprived because you will just be turning your wheels or turning. Now we're going to start to see a lot of back and forth from the sheriff's department with the uh, family, with the Richardson family, Mm -hmm. because the Richardson family don't, they don't feel like the sheriff's department has done their job. They don't think that they should have released their daughter and they're, they want answers from the sheriff's department and they're not, they're not overwhelmingly, you know, giving these, answers they're not don't seem to be working the case to the satisfaction of the richardsons uh so i mean what's your stance on that i mean i i agree that they shouldn't they probably shouldn't have released her based on her actions at the restaurant based on what the deputies thought and then when they transfer the power i just think that was that was the first fumble here and they should just not have released her i'm with you i the thing i keep going back to is is their statements saying why they released her. We let her go. There was no reason to keep her. She was well-educated, well-spoken, and she was fully aware of her environment and her situation. Again, I keep going to back, back to how different that account is. Mm-hmm. You know, for me to say she's well-spoken, she knows of her environment, yet three hours ago she was saying complete nonsense to the point, to the point where we thought she was heavily intoxicated. Mm -hmm. Then we found out she's not intoxicated. Then we have to ask her, are you on medication? Mm -hmm. Have you ever been locked up for psychological problems? So it, that's your assessment three hours before either drunk medicated or, or psycho and you know, some kind of medical issue, mental issue. Right. Uh, and then three hours later, well, she's perfectly normal, Mm -hmm. perfectly happy, normal human being. Send her off into the darkness. That's, that's the big problem. And like, and like I said, in defense of them, it always comes back to me on the, that they don't know her baseline. They don't know what her normal is. Right. 
So then when you start hearing some clarity coming from her, you're just, and again, but I, I'd still argue that if anybody's looked up much about hypermanic or manic states, that people become very capable of doing what they want to do. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the crazy takes over to make you look a certain way so you can get out of this. And like you said, maybe she's talking to, to herself on the phone. I mean, who knows? Well, and you said the sheriff's department, they don't know her norm. They don't mm-hmm. know how she would normally behave. But guess who would? Her family would. Mm-hmm. And her family wants to know. Well, her mom was calling and telling you this is not normal. What, right. But her family wants to know, you know, okay, you've said your reason, reasoning for letting her go. Okay. Now, we know that the jails are typically under surveillance. We want to see the video the video footage of her that evening Mm -hmm. because we want to see how she was acting. We want to see if she was behaving abnormally so we can get an idea of what we think happened to our daughter. Do we think she went wandering off on her own or did she leave the sheriff's department and get picked up by some evil dude? Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're, they're, they're told there is no videotape. They are told that there is no. Okay. So, so this, uh, this sheriff's department, their jail, uh, their their phone that records the phone calls and their log, mm-hmm. that's broken. Right. And they don't have cameras. Yeah, the, here's the exact wording. They were told no such video existed. The captain of the sheriff's department, Captain Martin, was quoted in the Malibu Surfside News as mm-hmm. saying, there is no video or tape of any kind. Well, that's pretty darn black and white here, right? Now, Captain, it's, and, it's, and, and, it, you can't confuse that statement in any way, right? No. He said there is no, no. videotape, no video or no tape of any kind. Mm-hmm. So let, let's make this clear. There are videos. They're claiming that there's video cameras in the jail, but those are just to monitor. Those don't actually record. Well, they we don't know exactly what they're there for because, according to his statement, all he says is there's no videotape of any kind. Right, right. Now, uh, but yeah, there clearly are cameras in this facility. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know, like you said, are they just using them to monitor live action or are they using them to record anything? The problem here, though, is he, he makes that statement very clear. And what's the strangest part of it is in January of 2010, the same person, Captain Martin, then confesses that there was a tape and it is in his desk. Okay, well, but let's break this down. This is how it happened. So, Matrice's uh, mother and aunt are in a meeting mm-hmm. and they ask for the tape. Hey, they, there has to be a tape. These cameras can't just be for monitoring, right? This doesn't add up. And, they, and they're still, during this meeting, no, 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 we have no tape. Mm-hmm. And then the aunt won't let it go. Proud, proud of her for doing that. She won't let it go. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of this conversation, the guy goes, oh, by the way, we do have a tape. And, and it's <laughs> and not it's, just a guy. It's the captain. Right. And, He's in charge of that sheriff's, of that mm-hmm. building. Well, and on top of that, on, on top of all this, it's in my desk. I mean, if that's not a red flag of we're trying to cover some shit up, I I don't know what a red flag is. Right? Well, do you know what kind, what that kind of honesty will get you? 
uh, promoted, obviously. Yes, it will get you a promotion. Um, later that month, later mm. that same month, Captain Martin was promoted to com- to commander. No captain friend of mine. Now, this promotion moved him to the Monterey Park location. So his old post at Lost Hills, uh-huh. he lived just minutes away for the entire six years that he was in charge of the Lost Hills Sheriff Station. The promotion took him an hour away, and he was replaced by Joseph Stephen, uh, who, note, is the first African-American captain at the Lost Hills location. Due to technical difficulties, it was about three months later before the Richardson family was allowed to view the video that was sitting in Captain Martin's desk. So I want to point a few things out here. Yeah, there's a bunch of red flags. Point them out for me. Well, I want to cover my own butt here real quick, too. I I don't want to give the impression that Joseph Stephen is not capable of being the captain of the Lost Hills Sheriff Department. Okay. I think he I think he can. I do I think it's a little convenient that you replaced him, you know, that you replaced Captain Martin with an African American man. Might be. Is does this does this sound a little bit like the Catholic Church that that takes a priest that's under suspicion and ships him off elsewhere? Mm-hmm. A little bit. Um I think that the the sheriff's department was really not trying to help the family or the investigation. I think they were just covering their own butts here constantly. Well, and then it also leads to the idea that if, if there's this technical difficulty, so we have the tape and then by the way, it's in my desk, but by the way, you can't watch it for months and for months, three months because you know, we're going to pay some college interns to come in and doctor up this video. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's it's, it's it is fucking strange. After the re, after the video is released to the family, uh, the family three sta- months afterwards, the family states that Mitrice looked to be distressed and agitated. Uh, they also commented that the tape, the video footage, appeared to have been edited. Uh, and they are citing one one part here is that one second there's a mm-hmm. on the footage there's one second where she is holding Mitrice is holding a piece of paper. And in the very next second, the paper is crumbled up on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, the video, so you know, you want to know what happened between the time yeah, she's yeah. holding the paper and then it's crumbled up on the floor. And the video also shows Mitrice walking out of the station, and two minutes later, a deputy goes out an adjacent door. Uh, the department refused to release the name of that. Deputy. Of course, they for, they refused to release the name of that deputy. They got to wait three months, and they got to they got to doctor up his name, and they got to get. A, I mean, this case just it's just question after and red flags. And is the cops involved, or are they just incompetent douchebags? I'm not really for sure, but there is a lot to get more into this case and uh you know do you just want to stick around and we'll knock out another sounds good sure all right do we have a recommended reading for this episode we do the case we're talking about tonight comes from california so i picked a book from california another california case this is the zodiac unmasked um and this is the identity of america's most elusive serial killer revealed by robert gray smith and according to the New York Press, it's by mm-hmm. far the best book on the subject of the Zodiac murders. Uh, it's one of my favorites as well. So check out The Zodiac Unmasked by Robert Graysmith. Yeah. And you can do that by going to truecrimegarage.com and click on the recommended page. We have all of our books listed there as well as a couple of videos. Just click on the Amazon banner and pick up anything you want through Amazon, including our recommended reading. All right. Hold on. I'm coming. 
And a big thank you to everybody that tells a friend, anybody that shares it on social media. With it, without you guys, we wouldn't be able to do this. And so uh, we might, like we said, we'll just stick around and uh, we'll release this episode. We'll do two parts this week. That's right. We will see you back here in the garage tomorrow. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois.